well done. Oh man, oh, I wanted to talk about um, a couple things since we have you on the episode because, you know, there's there's a lot to catch up on and, and a lot to reminisce about. Sure. So I wanted to kind of bring up how your family always had the best fucking fireworks on 4th of July, like the best in town. Yes. You guys, you guys always had that good shit. Because my dad would go to Arizona and buy them there. I thought he went to like Mexico or something to pick that shit up. No, just Arizona. He would just go over to, um, what is that casino? Like on the way, so he would go on the way to, or is Nevada really, I think it was, Nevada. Because he would go on the way to, to Laughlin. There's a, a, a national casino, tribal casino. And at that casino, they have a shop that that's like their specialty is fireworks. And so he would buy tons and tons <laughs> of fireworks. But I don't know if they're going to keep doing it because uh, the cops showed up either the last year or the year before and oh, literally like, con- like confiscated like three of his fireworks. And I think it was only because he had a badge on him when, when they asked for ID and, you know, he pulls out his ID. It shows that he's a retired police officer. Mm-hmm. That was when they were like, all right, we're just going to take these ones. A couple, yeah. But you know how he is, like he'd already shut his truck up that he hides them all in. And so they only got like the three that were out. And then as soon as they left, he was like, all right, well, it's last year. Let's go out with a fucking bang. <laughs> you know? So good times. Yeah, I, rem- I remember always looking forward to that and, you know, never having to buy our own because we're like the neighbors will have them. We're good. Yeah, we tried. Mm-hmm. And we can always tell when you guys were starting the fireworks because it'd be like the whole house would shake. And so we're like, oh, I guess it's time to go outside. <laughs> firing off the mortars. We also were the, the I, don't, I don't know if, because Steph didn't come over as often as, as we started aging up, but um, you came over all the time. And we also always had like an incredibly vast stockpile of pretty much any soda you could imagine. And I don't know I was going to say, no, why. I remember that. Yeah, I don't know why we had, but because my dad always drank either, for years he drank Pepsi or Diet Pepsi, and then he switched to Coke or Diet Coke. And, but we had, I mean, we had root beer and Sunkissed and purple drink and just like, and it was always stacked on like a pallet in our garage. And then we had an outside fridge that that's all it was with sodas. So Cameron and I, I don't know if you ever knew this stuff. Cameron and I actually had an encounter with an alien or like a, some sort of like extraterrestrial experience. Oh my God. Uh, Do you remember this Cam? I do. We were on the trampoline. Mm -hmm. We were jumping. It was probably like, it was probably, I think it was like a, 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 I want to say it was like a, like close to fall. Cause I remember it got dark early. And I want to, I wanted to make sure um, when, when we say uh, jumping, that means like we were on the trampoline, like. Yeah. uh, Yeah. We were jumping. Yeah. Yeah. We used to do, we used to do like WWE style wrestling and we would pretend to be different characters. And I would usually be somebody like the big show and we would do like choke slams and stuff. But so we were just jumping one night, just jumping the trampoline and literally like out of nowhere, this was crazy. It was like this flash of green light in like a conical shape coming downward. Yeah, it was, it was like an upside down cone. Yeah, and it, right. it was like it was like three or four of them, right? In a and row. it happened like like it was like simultaneous, but in like rapid succession. But literally from where we were at, you could tell it was like at least a quarter mile apart from each rapid succession of these green strobes that came down. And it wasn't like a helicopter because from where we were at, you would have heard it. Yeah, it was fast enough that it literally took like milliseconds between each flash, and 
it was incredible because we both saw it literally and we were both kind of like freaked out like we, what we just the hell stopped was that? in our tracks and we're like did you just see that right now like we were yeah. so spooked by that it was it was trippy because how was it like in the field behind our houses no it was, exactly. it was closer like to like but but you could tell it was like almost to victoria street at that distance, you clearly would have heard something in the air. If it was a plane, you would have felt like even like a the the wind off of it or something. Something was low enough and fast enough and silent enough that it was able to create these like four succinct like green strobes. Whatever and, the like, hell like that I said, was. And it was a big yeah. it was a big cone. Like think of like like if something was gonna it could like probably cover a house, right? Yeah, like yeah, I would say lot. that. That's what I was gonna say. Like Whoa. four or five car lengths. Yeah, and and we had that perfect vantage point because, um, like my backyard had the uh, the bamboo in front of the, the chain link fence, but you guys hadn't had your wood fence yet, so you just had the the chain link, right? Yep. And yep. so, and our and our lots were a little bit more elevated. There was like the ditch, and then there was like the empty field, and it was just pitch black. Yeah. And so we had the perfect view of just like these lights that came down, and it was it was freaking weird. I think we went inside after that. <laughs> I don't think yeah, we it was playing. like, like we, I think we were genuinely like, like not scared, but definitely like spooked. All right. You guys ready? Yep. Yeah. How are you doing everybody? Welcome to affliction. podcast episode 12. My name is Eric and the other voice occupying your head this time is my sister and co-host Stephanie. Yo, but that's not all folks. We actually have our very first guest on affliction. podcast. Please join us in welcoming our brother from another mother, Cameron. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Yeah, indeed. Thank you to all the listeners out there for joining us. Afflictionados is a monthly podcast where we mainly talk about films that range from mind-numbing to mind-blowing. Occasionally, we may also cover TV shows or other forms of media. It goes without saying, we will be getting into spoilers here, and there will be only the healthiest amount of expletives tossed in. You have been warned. Now, if you ain't ready, then get ready, because in this episode, this being our July episode, we will be discussing Independence Day. Let's kick the tires and light the fires. I'm ready. <laughs> I feel like this one is definitely childhood classic for us. Oh, Absolutely. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack here. So what I wanted to do was let me throw out that synopsis, and then I wanted to read the tagline for the movie, because I thought it was it was actually kind of kind of comical. Like, I think it was it was trying to be intense, but the way I read it, I was like, all right, that's a little corny. But back then, it was probably awesome. I'm sure it was. Hostile aliens invade Earth with the goal of destroying humanity. Fighting superior technology, mankind's greatest weapon, is the will to survive. So the the tagline that I read here on this poster, and I was just like, all right, that's that's a little cheesy, was we've always believed we weren't alone on July 4th. We'll wish we were. Hey, it's kind of it's it's kind of. I apropos. feel like that's pretty standard nineties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of appropriate for that that era. And 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 you know, honestly, it, it, like like you said, you know, there's a, a blast from our past, this is from our childhood. I remember I was ten years old when this movie came out. Um, Holy shit! You remember how old you were? I, well, I do because I was born in '84. This movie came out in, on July 3rd of 1994. Ninety. And I actually saw was it. '94? Oh no, actually '96. That's what I thought. Maybe I was 12 years old. I, I don't remember. Because it was nine, if it was 96, I was nine dating myself here. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. It was 1996. So I was 12 years old. But 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 the, my, what I was going to say is I actually saw it. It was kind of cool. I happened to be – it was the summer, and I used to spend a lot of my summers at my Aunt Cindy's house. She's my mom's twin sister. And I was up there with my cousin Victor, and um, I saw this on 4th of July. 
which was really cool in my opinion. It really? was yeah. We saw it July fourth because it came out July third. We saw it the next day, and it was it was kind of incredible. Um, and like you said, we don't want to spoil too much, but mm-hmm. the line where he says, you know, when when the president comes out and he says, and today we celebrate our Independence Day, it was like it was Independence Day Independence at that time, Day. and that was it was kind of surreal. It was neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the whole crowd should have just erupted. There's so much about about the movie that was like like we said at that time. There are certain things you look back on now. You're like, oh, that was kind of cheesy. You know, the lines and 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 Will Smith being Will Smith at his oh, Will Smithest. Well, <laughs> you bet your ass. We're getting into all that. Okay, I, I got. Some some notes written down. So what I wanted to do was um, that there's a pretty interesting background to this movie, like the the way that the idea for Independence Day actually came to be. Independence Day, as we said, came out in 1996 and it was directed by Roland Emmerich. And the idea for Independence Day, or also known as ID4, as to differentiate it from the U.S. holiday. So that way, you know, like when you say ID4, you're talking about the movie. Originally, the director, Roland Emmerich, and writer Dean Devlin were asked by a reporter if they actually believed in aliens during the promotion of another movie, Stargate. And that's the one with Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. the Stargate movie. Another classic. <laughs> oh, dad loved that movie. So did I. <laughs> Emmerich was fascinated with the idea of an alien arrival and decided to expand on the idea by incorporating like a large scale attack. And Emmerich actually asked Devlin if arriving from across the galaxy, he asked him, would you hide on a farm or would you make a big entrance? And I think that was kind of like the the direction they wanted to take, because at that time, everyone was just kind of like doing like these subtle entrances, you know, kind of like sneaking in or we've been there the whole time type of thing. But right. Emmerich was interested in like, no, when we show up, you guys are going to know. Well, they had been studying us for quite some time. And then they decided to make their grand entrance. But yeah, otherwise. So just just a point to make, because I sounded like a fool earlier when I made the point about 1994. Stargate did come out in 1994. <laughs> ah, <there you> go. <laughs> <laughs> just so I don't sound like a total buffoon on the on the recording there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that you're right. I think that there are certain if certainly if there were aliens and they were hostile aliens, why wouldn't they come out? completely aggressive wait? right yeah. from the get-go and and as as it states in and i don't know where your questions lied but um as it states in their communication right that like like and they get to that point where uh president whitmore is kind of connected that's where he learns their whole goal is just to eliminate and get all the resources and destroy yep that's exactly it. they're they're just like this plague that right. just spreads across the the universe and Locus, that's that's the thing the exactly. Zerg. The Zerg. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, they were... the planet dry and move on to the next planet. Yeah. With being such a, like, a hostile race and, like, you know, I would say, like, in a lot of ways because I, up until that point, you know, like, no one could stop them. So I think they almost had, like, this weird arrogance where they're just like, we're just going to come down on this planet, wreck these fools, suck up everything, and then bounce. I don't think they expected us to be able to put up much of a fight. Well, yeah. there's, there, you know, there's a there's a quote in in uh, that Loki makes in uh, one of the Marvel movies, and he says, uh, you know, um, something about you know what what type of beef does a ant have with a boot, right? So they're like the boot they in this they movie. Were... They're they're the boot. We're the ants. They're going to crush mm-hmm. us. Why wouldn't yep. they? Yeah. Well, obviously they did they didn't know about us, and because you know all the stuff that happened in Area Fifty One. They had been there or they had visited us before. They had known about us for quite some time. They'd been watching us. You think they would have, I don't know, maybe figured out that we're a little bit more resilient than that? 
or or maybe they were just yeah too arrogant there could be something here where maybe that was just like a scouting party and obviously that ship never made it back so i wonder if they maybe sent off a beacon like a sos and they're like hey we're stranded come pick us up and then like i don't know they ended up dying or something you know because obviously they were caught experimented (sighs) on and that's Dude, where that I... that's where that that synopsis that that the, on the back of you were reading the back of the, the you know the DVD or the VHS at that time mm-hmm. that's where that comes into where it's about the willpower you know that that let's be honest that is mankind's greatest weapon we do have more willpower than most people could possibly imagine the will to survive people people have overcome some crazy things in reality this is a movie but in reality people have overcome some crazy things yeah they didn't know that they're fucking with Americans all right. <laughs> Well, and those guys at the end with the sticks. <laughs> they're, they're the true heroes. They're real yeah. MVPs. Yeah. So um, in 1996, ID4 was actually the highest grossing film as well. So, I mean, you weren't the only one that saw it, Cameron. Everyone yeah. was freaking seeing that movie that year. And it actually beat out some pretty big movies that year. So a lot of blockbusters. So it beat out Twister. It beat yeah. out the original Scream. It beat out Space Jam. And it beat out... Wow. Mission Impossible one. So they had some pretty big movies that year. That was a that wasn't too bad of a year, I'd say. Man, the only real competition was Twister, obviously. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> I, I can't tell if that's sarcasm or not. I mean, Twister <laughs> Twister's a fun movie, but uh It's not uh, on this level. No, I don't think so. I I mean yeah, he I don't know, Bill Paxton, every time I see him, all I can think of is just like that guy isn't Bill Paxton the guy from Alien that's like six months we won't last six minutes on this rock yeah he's like, yeah he's like all scared, isn't that? and he's the guy from true lies that's like like pretends like he's like some secret spy with other he's the car salesman yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the, u- the used all, car salesman that's all i can see in him when i watch movies with him and i'm like oh man bill paxton hey you know what? he's also on titanic too so he's been in some big movies all right all right i'll give it to you it was the fastest film to earn 200 million at the time and that record would actually hold on for three years until it was surpassed by The Phantom Menace. So that lets you know how old this freaking movie is. Because that was episode one, Phantom Menace. Yeah, and that, and that movie, even though a lot of people look back on those the, the prequel trilogy as kind of like like not nearly as good as the, the first three films that came, back, mm-hmm. came out in the 70s. I mean, literally lines around buildings for The Phantom Menace. That was when I think lines started to get long was The Phantom Menace and The Lord of the Rings stuff. When all that stuff started coming out, people were just lining up left and right for movies. You know, back then too, um, in 1996, this was this was kind of a big deal. This movie because there was uh, some big advancements in the CGI special effects department. Like Twister and Independence Day would go on to popularize blockbuster disaster films. And you know what? Like there were a, a bunch of movies that came after that that were kind of inspired by that. You know, that took a lot of influence, like Dante's Peak and Deep Impact, Armageddon. And even Emmerich's other movie, The Day After Tomorrow. Love that movie. Great, which is a great movie. Honestly, one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. I, I, I like that movie, movie a lot. Whenever that, that that's the one. Whenever it's an, on TV, I will watch it regardless of the commercials every time. And my husband's like, again. <laughs> Really? For the hundredth time? Don't judge me. You know what's funny is, is now that you mention it, did he also direct 2020 uh, or 2012? 2012, I believe, yeah. With like the, the advancements in CGI, like I don't know if you guys noticed this, but when I fired up the movie uh, ID4 and you know like all the, the very like stylized opening credits, it felt very 90s to me. Like the font, the sound effects, the the, the letters were like, psh, like yeah. breaking apart and everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, one of the, one of the things that yeah obviously one of the things that I was paying attention to 
what was the special effects in the CGI because obviously I was like, well, let's see if this holds up. And there were a few times where I forgot, you know, that it was made in the nineties. I thought it held up pretty well. I mean, obviously there were a few times where it was pretty bad, but like when the, you know, when, when they, they explode all the buildings, when the countdown ends and they explode all the buildings, I was like, that's pretty, that's not bad. You know, with the whole laser, the ship opening up and the laser coming down. Yeah, I thought that awesome. all looked really yeah, good. The, that's all um, practical effects. That's why. So the buildings were like min- they were miniatures, oh, and it? they blew them up. Yeah, yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, the way that they do it is is they turn they turn a um, they turn the camera on its side, and then they have the the miniature uh, like sideways on, like, on like right. almost like a, a, a horizontal. Yeah. And so what they do is when they light it, fire wants to. Yep go up it, it as you up. would expect and oh. so they get it it makes it it makes it look like fire is coming at the camera because <laughs> well, it is cool. and that's the way that fire burns so it was makes it, it look what really was the they, laser was the laser practical no or was just it just explosion, explosion but the the laser they they edited just that explosion. In. yeah yeah you know what though what i really appreciate about independence day was it doesn't fuck around man like it just jumps right into the action like as soon as the movie starts, it's like aliens already here. They're already invading. You know, the little pieces are yeah. coming off and they're like starting to like float down to the major cities. And it starts like, yep. was it like two days before Independence Day? Yeah. 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 That was one thing I noticed too, because I was paying way more attention than I normally do when I just have it on the background every 4th of July, every single year. And uh, I I was, I was like, man, yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward story. It just it's moving it moves it fast. does yeah and i, I and it actually really appreciate engaged. that because i feel like a lot of movies it's like slow burn you know and i'm like all right let's just let's get to the the good stuff yeah. let's get to the action yeah you can always appreciate a movie that kind of let's see that purposely tries to run in real time mm. right where 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 two days in the movie is two days moving along the and story it, it's believable like it's like it would take them that long to like kind of position so it takes a whole day for them to like position all their saucers right around the, the world and then it's like all right so the next day boom that's when we we do the little coordinated attack yeah right. and you know what even like going down the, the days um it was that was kind of a countdown itself that was counting down to july 4th right yeah yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool. What'd you guys think of the the characters in the movie though? Because you know they they they're like jumping around and like showing like kind of uh, everyone's like settings and where they're from, their experiences. Steph, why don't you go first? Sure. Um, I actually like Bill Paxton. <laughs> so just just throwing that out there. You mean Bill Pullman? <laughs> Pullman yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Bill Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're still on that, man. But no, Bill Pullman. I do too. <laughs> no, no, Bill yeah, Paxton's right. just everywhere. We're going, back, going back to the movie that we're actually talking about. <laughs> I, I, I like Bill Pullman. Thank you. Because of the Newsies. What? He was in the Newsies? What yes. the hell? So <laughs> he plays with Christian the, Bale. Yes, with Christian mm. Bale. Who is Christian? I, is Christian Bale British? I actually heard that he was British, and I had no idea, yeah. and that blew yeah, my he's mind. British. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, yep. I, had, I never, never <laughs> knew that that dude is British. What? And and I've seen him in so many things, and someone told me, and I just really seriously, I, I was like, I just, I just don't believe you because I've seen him in so much stuff, and I've never, I guess I've just never seen an interview with him or something. He always know. just does American accents, like forever. Yeah. 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 So, so he's totally, he's totally in that, uh, not Christian Bale. I'm talking about Bill Pullman again. He's in, he's in Newsies as the, the, um, guy who, the news reporter who like record, like, you know, he reports on their story. Actually, honestly, I think those might, those might be like two, I don't know how many more roles I've seen him in. I, I kind of get the feeling. I don't know if it's just 
me, but I kind of get the feeling that um, that people don't really take him seriously otherwise. Like as an actor? No, no, no. I feel like he. I feel like for that movie though, he made a very believable executive person. Meaning, you know, he made a believable president. He plays that role very well, and I've seen him in other movies where he plays similar roles, where he's very kind of like within himself. You know, where he right. doesn't make. Yeah quick, rash decisions, but makes thoughtful, logical, analytical decisions that are more impactful. And I think he, I thought he played the president incredibly well. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I was just looking around online and um, I I just kind of got the, not, not too hard or anything. I just kind of got the general idea that people didn't really take him too seriously. And I was like, well, the two notable roles in my life, which are Newsies and Independence Day, I thought he did great. (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah, I, I liked him. I liked him as the president. His, his cute little daughter, uh, played by Mae Whitman, I believe, who eventually goes on to play uh, Anne in Arrested Development Uh-oh. and uh, the one the one lesbian ex in Scott Pilgrim. What? No way. That's her? Yeah, that's her. Oh, that's her. <laughs> the one with the hammer, right? That's all fast. He, no, no uh, Ramona's the one with the hammer. Oh, uh, but yeah, she's the one she's who's fast. all fast. Okay. Gotcha. I only know this because I, I remember because so I've seen So that's the little recently. girl? <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's and she's so that's cute. Cool. And oh man, were my heartstrings tugged. I actually, I, I don't think I've ever cried watching Independence Day, but when I was watching it last night, <laughs> you know, as a mom and everything, when 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 the, you know, when the when first the lady dies. died, oh. yeah, I was just like, <laughs> and then every time I cry watching a movie and my husband's there, I'm like, I'm not crying, you're crying, shut up. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I look at my husband, he's like, I know I'm crying. You're not crying. Allergies. <laughs> so it, it's it's just a few scenes before the you know the the wife gets to the Area 51 and she passes away and the daughter's there and 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 President Whitmore is there. Um, my honestly, my favorite character in the entire film, and this may the resonate daughter. with any with no no not at all. You <laughs> gross. No way. My favorite character in the entire film, and this will resonate with any Trekkie out there, Brent Spiner plays Dr. Okun, I think is how oh, his name yeah. is pronounced. And he's I think the they said same... Okun. Okun, I okay. The... Yeah, I was like, I don't... I saw it on the... I, ha... I always have captions on. I saw that and I was like, that. that's how that's pronounced? All right. Yeah. So he... What I love about him is he is Lieutenant Commander Data in Star Trek. <laughs> huh. And I, I, as a hu... I'm a huge Trekkie. I love Star Trek. And he plays totally a completely different, different role. It's it's yeah. literally he goes from playing this like android, literally android, with no emotions, yeah, all analytic, all drive for just completing tasks, to this guy that literally is so excitable <laughs> and so disheveled that I, it was great. just a great juxtaposition to a role that you were more likely to see him in if you were. Oh yeah, a, a it, it shows a lot more and, range, and you see, right? Yeah, I love I love when actors you just do get that excited when just, you're like, wow. It just shows their skill when they can do something like that, go from one character to the other. Which uh, have you guys ever seen Mindhunter? Yep, I don't On think Netflix, so. Right? It's such a good show, and the, the the guy who plays the main guy in Mindhunter, he plays this super you know arrogant over the top character in glee he plays uh the king of england in hamilton and then he plays what's his face in mindhunter where he's just like a completely serious yeah very stoic yeah. as well character and uh, yeah and i was i was yeah i'm always impressed by people who can you know do that easily or may, at least <laughs> yeah. make it look easy yeah um, let me ask you this though you guys who really cared about that trailer park family because I, for one, didn't. I'm like, why are they in this movie? I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's just for the guy who was abducted. That's yeah. because Russell you didn't back. grow up as white trash in a trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us white trash folk 
that grew up in trailer parks wanted to see our demographic reflected <laughs> represented <in> the, <laughs> the right way <laughs> yes the i mean the only interesting person there was the dad russell case right like the one that was no, supposedly oh yeah russell, russell case. case was the dad yeah, yeah th- that's the character's name randy quaid plays him right well B- bill paxton as russell case <laughs> 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 Love that guy. All right, enough of it. Yeah, enough but, of it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he was he was the main part of that, you know. Side he kind of brought whatever, some campiness sure. to it because you know, like a lot of the the comedic relief was through him as well. You know, like he's all he's a yeah. drunk pilot and he's just kind of like a basically, you know, he he was a screw. Yeah, we still never really know if he was really. Yeah, so that's the thing is he like you really don't know. you don't know if like that's just how he's always been or was he just like really messed up mentally because of like a past traumatic experience you know like the one where he talks about he's been abducted and he he's been kind of I weird think that's since. why he's in the film though i think he's in the yeah. film because i think i think the directors and the writers were like hey hey hey, you know how people always say that they were abducted what if we throw a guy we like that someone in there? like that what if we did that and what if what if we put somewhere in the plot line that you know he said they were coming and he also gets to be the one that kind of provides a level of retribution which was pretty awesome. I mean, to me, it's kind of like that full circle thing, like where like nobody believes him, nobody believes him, and now everyone has to believe him because it's really happening. Mm-hmm. And not only they believe him, but now he gets to be the hero in the film. He gets the know, last laugh. So, yeah, exactly. And literally, he's laughing as he dies, so he truly gets the last <laughs> yeah. laugh. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Fun fact: James Duvall plays one of his unimportant kids. Do you know who that is? Stuff <laughs> that name sounds James familiar. Duvall. Yeah, so he, James Duvall, played Frank in Donnie Darko. Right. Oh, that's cool. I kept thinking too. He looks familiar. He looks familiar. He looks familiar. And uh, every time I would start scrolling through IMDb, I'd always get distracted by somebody else. Like, oh, who's that? Any relation to Robert Duvall? You know, I don't think so. I don't think he looks anything like him. Okay. I did, I I wouldn't have guessed that his name is James Duvall either. No, he he doesn't seem like it. His name is Miguel in the the damn movie. So I don't know who who the yeah, hell knows what he is. But yeah, I would have I would have actually expected that. You know, again, you know, because. As a as a now parent, that you know anything with kids always just affects me. Yeah. And so, as we've made very very clear over the last however many episodes, um, I thought that that would be the part that would get me to cry. I mean, it still was you know child involved when when I actually did cry. Mm. When he's like, tell, tell my be... kids, tell my son I love yeah. him. Yeah, tell my kids I love them. Tell my children, and he's like, you know, the son's there, and he's like, wait, no, and then he does this thing or whatever. And uh, so, how how many times did you cry? Was that was did, that number three? No, it was just the one. Oh. I only cried the one time. Oh, see, there's only two movies that make me cry, so it doesn't matter. What movies are those, Cameron? Up will make me cry Ooh. twice every movie. Wow. Every time I watch it, it'll make me cry twice. And then Schindler's yeah. List makes me cry every time I see it. So. Oh, yeah. Damn. Not to bring us down. Bring it back up, Eric. Those are, I mean, those are right. some... Uh... Schindler's List, another one of those World War II movies. Yeah, what are those? We don't, those don't exist. <laughs> um, no, I'll cry, I'll cry for just about anything, especially if... Uh... Uh, nowadays yeah especially if there's there are kids involved and speaking of which i was actually thinking like you know at the part where jasmine's her name right mm-hmm. the, where Will, the, Will you know, the, the everything's yeah everything's being ex- exploded and she sees the fire coming and she you know grabs her son and runs i was like if that was me in you know 2022 with all him. of the car seats and all of the straps <laughs> and three kids we would have died because obviously her kid wasn't in a car seat, even though he was still car seat age. Yeah, that's and, true. <laughs> and uh, so she just grabs him and they take off. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, my, me and my family would have for sure died. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have been like, I wouldn't have been able to get one out of all the car seat straps before the fire hit us. 
Well, let's just be honest. Fire looks for the nearest source of fuel, which which uh, oxygen is one of those sources. And so, even if she had realistically, if she had made into that tunnel, I it would have gone into that room. Still would have gone into. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the other thing where I was like, you know, good for her to find a shelter, but she should have shut that door. Like, well, she had given her the dog. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she if she would have shut that door, I think it would have been a, a slightly more realistic because obviously the fire is not just going to zoom by an open and door. stay there. Yeah. And, and how you feel about that? Well, I was I was like really torn up because I'm like, they're really going to leave that dog. I'm like, that's fucked up. And then like she actually calls her the dog. So I'm like, I'm like, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like the, it's funny because the dog's just like all happy. Like he's just like, hey, this is fun. The dog's not not really an actor. So he's just, he doesn't understand. I'm supposed to be like <laughs> terrified or something right now. Right. <laughs> that's true <laughs> but he is an actor he got credit for that role but um you know how we're talking about like the movie gets like right into the action i what i really liked about it was like how the characters kind of had the slow reaction to the aliens though case in point was when captain stephen hiller played by will smith he has that delayed reaction when he's like i'm gonna go uh check the the paper or whatever so he like walks outside you know and he's just like whatever and so he's yep. like reading the paper and he sees that like everyone around him is kind of like panicking and he does like the slow like turn to the the right and the left and he's like what the fuck and so he looks up past the paper and there's like the giant like flying saucer or whatever over la right and he's just and that's when he loses his shit but I was like, man, that's such an awesome reveal because I like I like the slow like kind of anticipation of showing the the alien ships. I, I think and I think they did that with with all of the main characters, and then they let all the side characters be either completely terrified or kind of crazy about it, like almost like they were excited Fanatics, by it. Right? Yeah, because yeah, because even Jeff Goldblum's character in the film, um, he he has sort of the same reaction where it's almost like he's not afraid. He's he because he's you know he's an MIT. Uh, you know, he's, he's a tech guy and he's trying to figure out what this series of, of, you know, information that's coming on his computer is and what this signal means and then realizes, Oh no, this is a timer. And even in that moment, his reaction isn't scared or terrified or run and hide. His reaction is I got to get this information into the right hands. Mm. And it's, it's kind of cool. You, you, you see people kind of, um, doing things you wouldn't expect most of humanity to do. You expect them to do one or the other, be fanatics or be completely terrified. And you have these two people that are kind of calm and they're, it kind of shows you that they are really the, <laughs> the people that are the heroes of the film. Yeah. Yeah. They're the ones who jump into action rather than freak out. Yeah. What do you think you guys would be doing? Which one would you be the fanatic or the, I'd be losing my shit. <laughs> I think I, honestly, I, I think I, I I'm, I'm pretty quick um, on how I analyze things and I'm not one to stress about, I mean, Eric can tell you this. I don't stress about hardly anything ever. I don't get mad about anything hardly ever. I'm pretty low key and calm about everything. And I have a very slow reaction time, even to negative things. I have to really contemplate them, but I do it pretty quickly, but I, I don't know if I'd be terrified, but I would definitely start preparing. But I think it's because of, you know, I was a boy scout when I was 12 years old for like two years, didn't make it very far in scouts, but I did it for like two <laughs> years. And the model, no was be pre- yeah, the model was be prepared. And so like, even at my house now, I've got, you know, several months of food saved up and water and tools and I, you know, I can build a lot of things. And so I've tried to be prepared and I think that I try and stay as calm as I could, especially, you know, and you, I think you would too. I don't think you realize you would Steph, but I think you would too, because you have kids and you need to show them it's going to be okay. If you freak out, they get scared than they already are more scared. That's scared. True. I don't know. 
Well, I hope to never have to be in a situation like that, but I think I would have to be in that situation to find that because I feel like I would be one of the freak out people. (laughs) (laughs) I actually remember the, the most pissed I've ever seen Cameron. He was playing, uh, I forget what game, but he was, he was playing like some game on his computer. This was back at his parents' house. He had the room in the the very back and, um, you know, I was, I was sitting next to him. I was, I was watching him play. What game was this? I don't, I don't remember. I, I want to say it was like some sort of like uh, like RPG adventure game, like a CRPG. Probably. But um, he w- he kept dying on this this like same part over and over again. And I remember he was just like, he took a deep breath and he was just like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and I still do that to this day. I go, ah, damn it. And that was the most pissed I've ever, that was like one vein in his neck, you know? <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh man, it was it was hilarious. Like that shit cracked me up. Did you laugh then? I think he made fun of me. I think I think in that moment, if I'm not mistaken, I think he made fun of me. I think I said it and then he goes, he like giggled and then went, damn it. <laughs> and then I think he told me, he I think he said something like, dude, I would have already broken two controllers by now. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Did you guys catch all of the the awesome action movie one-liners that Will Smith's character was spitting throughout this movie? Oh god, that's what I that's what in the beginning I said I said we get to see Will Smith that is Will Smithist. It, it truly is. So let, let, let's let's take a moment. Let's highlight all of the the memorable one-liners that he had in this movie and let's just pay oh tribute. Okay. Go ahead. You going to read them off? I'll, to I'll us? read them off. So he said Okay. I know you did not shoot that green shit at me. <laughs> uh, that's the one where you know where he kicks the alien. And he's like, yeah, exactly. Well, that when he when he says that, that's that's when they were first flying in their jets, and I think they had the aerial battle, and so you know, the uh, the ships were shooting like the little lasers, and he was like, you did not yeah. shoot that green shit at me. Uh, I think even before that, he he was all like, no, I'm just a little anxious to get up there and whoop ET's ass. You know, these are all just like these like really macho like uh, action movie one-liners. Here's the line. So after, you know, the alien ship crashes and then he goes and punches it or whatever. Knocks it out through its exoskeleton thing. Exactly. And he gives us the (laughs) the memorable line, welcome to Earth. So I don't know about you guys, but I kind of remembered it differently before I rewatched the movie. I always thought, and I even saw memes about this. I don't know why I always thought he said it, welcome to Earth, like with an F. <laughs> like, I thought he just says it to be obnoxious, like, welcome to Earth. But, and I, I, I even saw memes about this that, that kind of like supported, you know, like my, my memory of this. But I don't know. Like, do you think that's just like, like your racist mind <laughs> going crazy? <laughs> you know what I think it is? I think it's like some sort of like weird Mandela effect. I wonder if like a lot of people just thought he said it that way. And maybe I saw a meme back in the day, you know, and, and I just kind of thought like, Oh, I just assumed. Yeah. You know, like he, Oh, is that like the the Baron, Baron stain versus Baron Steen? (laughs) And, and like people thought Mandela had died like 20 years before he actually died. I I got you. I got you. It's like, so like the Mandela effect is basically when you, you know, for sure that something happened, you remember specific details, but then in reality, something like that never actually happened. And I think the main example that I can think of was Brenda was, um, I think she was studying something for school and they were talking about the Mandela effect. And they were talking about how the uh, Chick-fil-A signs with the cows, um, you know, it says like eat more chicken and they, they like misspell it or whatever. 
So a lot mm-hmm. of people remember the K being backwards. And a lot of people swore they're like, yeah, that K is backwards, but it's actually not. I, I agree. I, I would have <laughs> sworn it was backwards as well. Yeah. Honestly, I, I like even now I'm, I'm a little bit incredulous that it's not backwards. Like I want to look it up. Yeah. So. If you look it up, like I, you're not crazy. Welcome to earth. Yeah. I don't <laughs> so you see what I'm saying. Is that backwards to you? I don't know. But it says PSA. Will Smith never said welcome to earth in Independence Day. <laughs> a search for the origins of a meme that will not die. And I was one of the and ones maybe it that was the it. meme that puts it in your head or something. But That's yeah, I, I agree. Like, like the Chick Fil I just looked it up, and you're right. It, the, the the K is spelled correctly, but I thought it was backwards as well. Yeah, I thought so too. I think That's everyone hilarious. did. You know, for the most part. And then yeah, they they were just talking about like yeah, there's you know everyone thinks this way, and they they they're certain that the K is backwards, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so let me let me run through the the last few lines here before we continue. So. After that, that awesome welcome to Earth uh, line that was never said. <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. um, right after that, he also throws in, now that's what I call a close encounter. Yeah. <laughs> to again break yeah. the tension, right? I remember. And I was like, dang, he just said that. Let's be honest. He put, and I was like, thinking, like, I would be freaking out. I would be yeah. freaking Like, I would be like, oh, my God. Like, first of all, I wouldn't have punched an alien <laughs> and then just expected it to be out and then turn around and had a cigar. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> let's, let's be honest though like t- like like steph said he punches it through its exosuit suit yeah. knocks it out and then drags it through the desert god knows how many miles and it never wakes up no like well, it was about on, three. I, he I, said that when when he shows up you know uh what was his name dr oaken he says yeah. how long has it been unconscious and will smith says three hours three hours and it's like it's like it's like well wait a second wait a second it, like I'm not wearing an exosuit, and I don't know if you know this because movies always get this wrong, and I don't know why they do it. But <laughs> supposedly they'll knock somebody out, and it'll be like like hours later they wake up. Yeah. That that doesn't happen. If you, if that happens, you're in a coma. That's called a coma. Right. Because typically when you get your nights your your lights knocked out, you or come you, back pretty you, quick, right? get, you come back within a few seconds because that's the way your brain works. Now you may be dazed and confused. You may you may not be able to walk yeah. right for a little while. You you may have some dizziness, and you may not have the same like muscle mobility that you normally. But you you're still with it and awake and you can like it's almost like the movies that get it best is when they knock somebody out and then as they're like dragging them you can see like their eyes opening and it like shows that kind of like shutter effect where it's like closing and opening because that's how it really works is you you're kind of but this alien's knocked out for the better part of three, three hours. hours yeah what a bitch and then and then literally <laughs> yeah, comes to a point exercise. when they're doing their autopsy on it if you will to oh, like yeah. opening Perfect it up timing oh, and of course you know there is the line that i have got to get me one of these Cheesy. Like, he's I flying like the other crap. Yeah. So cheesy. Like this would happen in real life, right? When he reunites with Jasmine and she's like, you're late. And he's like, you know, I like to make, make an, entrance an entrance or whatever. Yeah. I would have just been like hugging and crying. And well, it's similar to, to Jeff Goldblum's lines when, when, you know, they're, they're up in the ship and, and he has this little like Jeff Goldblum esque lines when he's oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fat lady. <laughs> uh, enough of the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he's got that Jeff Goldblum style yeah. of talk. Yeah, the the you know oh yeah uh, um, yeah hot dogs hot dogs are good I like a hot dog with a bun and ketchup wait a second wait a second I'm ve I'm I'm vegan <laughs> <laughs> why am I eating this <laughs> so speaking of uh, Jeff Goldblum which, uh, his character David Levinston what what I want to know is why the hell was he the only one that picked up the signal so he's an MIT grad 
graduate that that's what he did was was like data encryption and analyzing things like that so, so we don't have a damn capable person in the military that's like their job is to like fucking inter- intersect like signals out of the air or whatever but he has to be able to get it back in touch with his his ex-wife you know, or whatever. His, 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 well, it's not only that they're divorced, right? Are they I divorced? Know, right? Are they exes? Are they just separated because he had punched the president at one point? So, I, I mean, that's the thing is they have to bring these two characters together. And what better way to do it than give him uh, this job as an MIT uh, graduate that analyzes. He's the only one that can do it. I mean, and he and the he's the, the only best. one that can do it on his like like 1996, you know, right. Whatever that computer is that he has that probably weighs like 30 pounds yep. <laughs> as he's carting it on his lap, you know. Um, but yeah, so he has to reunite with his, his wife and, and show her that he's he's a he's a hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, back in the day, obviously, he worked for the military or at least the government at some point. He maybe he was the best of the best and he, you know, left because well, it seems like, you know, him and his wife breaking up broke his heart or whatever. That was the wedge, and then right. he became, what is it? A cable, a cable install guy he, or something. He's, he like works for charter, you know, like some shit, but he's the, he's like obviously one of the heads. Actually, I feel like he's, he's like still like a field agent. <laughs> like He's not even like the guy that has an office. He's just like, yeah. All right. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll head over to that house right now. I'll install that satellite. Yeah. For him. He's working his, his second shift of overtime. <laughs> adulthood so now like now that the alien ships uh the the flying saucers if you will are are positioned um it's actually pretty interesting because the the aliens they don't actually strike until like 45 minutes in the movie so this whole time is just kind of the slow build-up so it's like the aliens show up really fast but then they're just kind of sitting there and everyone i think they're around the time that they're doing a lot of the character development that's when they're building up the anticipation like okay so now we have this countdown that we have to worry about what's going to happen once this this signal fades all the way you know the president has to has to worry about like making sure people aren't panicking but of course you know what's the first thing everyone does when the president gets on tv and is like hey you know the shit's scary but don't panic if you need to leave the cities do so in a uh, an orderly fashion orderly fashion, orderly fashion. <laughs> Everyone's going to fucking lose their shit. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, actually at the beginning of the movie, it was uh, talking about um, he was like, or his, I think his daughter was watching the news or whatever. And then uh, they're talking about how his, uh, his uh, approval ratings were pretty low. <laughs> I didn't vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. so what if, what if this is one of those like wag the dog type scenarios and all of this was just to improve his ratings. That's what the movie's really about is just oh, this president. There you go. It's like creating a war. You know, presidents live like, oh, he created a war with Iraq. He created a war with, you know, Afghanistan. This guy created a war with some extraterrestrial species just to get his <laughs> approval ratings up. And you know, the loss, made, of, made the loss of his wife, it, the loss of his wife endears him to the community. Oh, my God, he lost his wife. He's a single dad, uh-huh. you know. And especially when he gets in, a, he pilots one of the one of the uh, aircraft by himself, oh, yeah. you know, as well. And he's like, I'm a pilot, damn it. <laughs> what is, what's the actual line? You got it there, Eric, somewhere. I know you do. Uh, I belong in there. <laughs> that guy. I, I was gonna say, see, I was, I was gonna say something else, like, like, but I was gonna give it like a British accent. A shepherd must tend his flock. <laughs> Sean Connery's in this movie. <laughs> yeah. no, no, there's nobody in this movie that delivers lines quite like Sean Connery. The penish martyr. Right. <laughs> Best line ever delivered in a movie is delivered by Sean Connery in the movie The Rock. Oh, and he's talking to Nicolas Cage. Yep. He's talking to Nicolas Cage, and he says he, his name is Goodspeed. And he said he, he says, "Can you get it done, Goodspeed?" And Nicolas Cage I'll says, "I'll try my best." I'll try my best. And John Connery, in his most Sean Connery accent, goes, "Try your best." 
Losers try their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> best line. Another ever. action one-liner, right? Because he Sean Connery's a badass. <laughs> so now that the countdown reaches, well, I don't know if, it, if it's considered reaching zero. It just fades away. So the countdown's over, and this has this is probably like one of the best parts of the movie because the alien ship, you know, they they start opening up, and I just thought like the whole concept of it was mesmerizing. You know, it has like that neon, like blue light and shit. And, um, you know, you got people like on top of the, like the U S bank tower, I guess it was known as the library tower back then in LA. And so they're like on the roof and, um, you know, they're, they're just like, yeah, you know, beam us away or whatever. And I mean, they're, they don't know. They're about to get a fucking shotgun blast to the face right now. And you know, the same thing's happening. Just a shotgun blast. (laughs) And a laser blast. (laughs) And um, the, you know, it's happening all around the world at the same time, like in New York, uh, the same thing's happening, but to the Empire State Building. And I don't like those, those lasers, obviously, you know, I think the slow effect of like the, like the preparation has to open up and has to like charge. It sends, it shoots down like that little tractor beam looking thing first before it like actually shoots the laser. And I think a lot of people were probably thinking like, why the fuck is their, their main weapon so damn slow? You know, it takes like... 10 minutes for it to actually fire anything off. But I think, you know, like the, the dramatic effect of it was just awesome. Like I, I still enjoyed it to this day. Well, not just that, but, but, but why don't they go out and build their own city fucking destroying laser and see how quickly they can blast it off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I thought it was, I mean, even in star Wars movies, which, which technically, you know, the, the, some of these people are so advanced. They have these like world killing lasers. Even those ones take time to charge up and, Come on, man! Yeah. It's a laser. <laughs> yeah, I thought the laser that was awesome. True. I thought the buildup was good, and I thought it was. I thought the buildup to me, um, not only was it good for that portion of the movie because it let you know that there was the tension was building. Mm-hmm. You were waiting for something to happen, and then this destruction just kind of consumes entire cities. Which, by the way, if we've learned anything from the Marvel movies, Transformers, Independence Day, don't live in L.A., don't live in New York. Let's right? go to Idaho, yeah. okay? Boise's where it's at. But not only does it do that, is is at the end of the movie when those when that laser's charging up, you now you know that there's a little bit of time for him to get his rocket up there, yeah. and for uh, is his name Chase? Uh, Case Russell Case. Case Case Russell Case for him to get his rocket to you know give it back to them if you will, because if it was a quick laser, then it's like. There's no way for him to get it inside that thing in the time that it opens and fires yeah. off. So I think it was like a precursor to some some foreshadowing. They didn't want to make it seem like something was fast and then it was incredibly slow at the mm-hmm. end. It was the same speed throughout the movie. Yeah, it was kind and of again, it was very, very well still done. Still looks great. Still looks yeah. great. Oh, 20, very consistent. Looks awesome. Well some years later, and that that White House blowing up scene. Dare I say that shit's iconic? Like every time you think of Independence Day, you always think of the White House blowing up. And, you know, I feel like in a lot of other countries, if you were to show like some sort of like um, really prominent building getting destroyed, you'd be executed, you know. But like we have the the freedom to be able to show that here and we enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's funny is I thought I thought I could have sworn when I was a kid and I was looking at the, the, the DVD box, I thought that the, the front picture was the picture of. The White House exploding, but that's not what it is on the picture, correct? It's it's like a city, I right? Think it's a city, yeah. Or is it? I don't know. Maybe because uh, I remember that too. It's just like the White House, not exploding, but it's the White House with the with the ship yeah. moving over it. Yeah, mm. was it? I thought that's what it was, but I've, I've looked back at it since then. When, you know, when, when you reached out and you're like, "Hey, do you want to do it?" I I looked back. I was doing some research. I couldn't find a picture like that except for inside the movie. There's huh. nothing on the internet of it. 
as part of their like fan art. So when you when you pull up the box art, like it, it was a show. Yeah. It just shows the ship. No, 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 no. Here we go. No, no. Here we go. Uh-uh. Is it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's the White well, House. And what there was that is. from? It, so that that must have been something that was like outside of movie theaters on their it's actual. It's the DVD cover. Oh. Is it? So we were used to the VHS version. You know, the one that has that little holographic. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. You, oh, you, right. turn it, it you turn it and like the laser's like shooting up and down. That thing was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. The classic 90s again. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Like that that scene of like the White House blown up, that it just like sticks with you. And that's why I feel like it's it's like such a memorable scene because it's like even after the movie, like that's one of the the main scenes you see. I feel like all the explosions stick with me. I think what it does too is and I don't know if they meant this because I hate to read into things what people didn't intend to be there, but I think what it what it really says is that White House is not our government. Our government is us. We are the people. We are the government. We we make decisions. We're we're a, we're a republic, and so as a republic, that building really doesn't mean anything. It's a it's a figurehead. It's yeah. it's a statesman's house, right? But realistically, our government is wherever we happen to be at that time. Wherever it needs yeah. to be, yeah. They they can relocate. That's why they you know. And in this movie, Area Fifty One. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're on Air Force One. You know, flying to Area Fifty One. Um, one of the the big like uh, fight scenes in in the movie was the the first aerial dogfight. So. Captain Hiller, um, Will Smith, he leads the the counterattack. So this was right after all the the city has just got like blown to bits. Ooh, wait, before we get before we get into even more action, mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a shout out, which I totally forgot to do when oh. we were ta- actually talking about it. <laughs> is uh, since since I love the visuals so much in this movie, I just wanted to give a, sh- a shout out to when the the uh, ships are first coming into the atmosphere mm. and all the clouds are around them. That was cool. Before they break through the clouds. Uh-huh. I thought that was one of the things that I always that always sticks with me when I watch this movie. That's always one of the, my favorite things to see, and it's and it still holds it's up. It's terrifying because it that it is. also it has like a this like weird cloak over the ship because it's it's part of the dramatic like reveal, right? Is like you still don't even quite know yeah. what the ships look like. They're like covered in smoke and fire and clouds and stuff, and then finally they they like I always breach love through that, scene, that. Yeah, they break through mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. I always love those. Awesome. Seeing those, yeah. I just imagine because you know, I already I already like looking at the sky and seeing the clouds, especially when you can see like different layers of clouds and see how close they are and how far they are and sunsets. Or and when stuff, you can see yeah. a lot of stars and it makes the sky look so vast. Mm-hmm. Imagine seeing something like that, you know. It it literally takes up like the whole city. Like it covers the whole yeah. fucking city. It's trippy. It would be the whole sky. Yeah, yeah so it would be it would be great. I mean you so uh, that's that was great. A nerd reference here. So it's 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 almost like the one of the plates in Midgar in Final Fantasy Seven, <laughs> like you don't you don't yeah, get a yeah, sky, yeah. you know. That's true. <laughs> but um, yeah, the so Captain Hiller leads the counterattack after all the cities just got uh, wiped out, and uh, he leads his Black Knight squadron. And this was you know this was supposed to be like that like awesome like yeah let's go fucking tear shit up type of moments. Right. And so this is where we discover that. All of the ships, not even just the like flying saucers, but even the little like individual fighter jets, like the alien fighter jets, they all have energy shields that pretty much render our conventional weapons ineffective against them. You know, it's like it's disheartening because 
they get completely trounced in this scene. Like Captain Hiller narrowly survives using his resourcefulness, but like when when it's showing the the console back at like wherever their base camp is, they're dropping like flies on the run. They're getting picked off, and they just they they don't put up a fight at all. I think they get wiped out, and it seems like something that would take like what twenty minutes. <laughs> That's like as much of a fight as they're able to put up. Yeah, and I, sad, I think yeah. honestly, he you know he the only way that he gets to have the upper hand on the one ship that's following him is basically to juke it out and eject himself from his own ship and let that other ship crash land. Mm -hmm. You know, he's more familiar with like the canyon that he was flying through and he's doing like almost like erratic uh, evasive maneuvers. And I think the alien was like trying to kind of predict like what his flight path was going to be, but it was just like, all right, well, you know, and of course the canyons are providing cover because he's like hitting those sharp corners. And uh, that's where he was able to, to release that parachute to kind of, uh, um, blind it for a second. Plus, the alien doesn't have any thumbs, so that's gonna hinder it. <laughs> she just got those like weird, like little like stringy fingers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but who knows? Maybe it was flying it with its mind. You know, maybe it doesn't even have like a. Well, actually, it does have a steering wheel, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because that's how well, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. convenience. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Modified American style. <laughs> I, oh, I guess uh, going back to when that that ship crashed. So why why did the shield fail them when it ran into the cliff or whatever? Like I feel like the shield should have still been operational. It would have like bounced off maybe like a ball or something. I would imagine that if you if you put enough padding on your car, you could you could, you know, sustain certain injury, certain damage right to your car. But but eventually you hit something hard enough for long enough, all that padding wears away you still damage your car, you know? Also, I think just one person going in there, the, I don't think the shield will deflect that because there's a scene later where he puts the, the Jeff Goldwyn or whatever, puts the Coke can on the ship mm. and then demonstrates that there's still a shield. And then he puts the virus, he, you know, uploads the virus and takes down the shield. So he was able to put the Coke can in there and the shield didn't deflect that, you know? So I guess someone just walking up to it won't really. Let me, let me throw this out there then. Do you think maybe it's like, it's kind of like the shields in Dune. Like, have you guys seen Dune, the new one? No, not yet. I saw the old oh, one, okay. the old the old miniseries that was on TV back in the what was it? 80s? Well, they, they have shields in the movie, and uh, the way they—I don't even think they explain it—but the way they showcase it is that I think if something is moving slow enough, it can kind of penetrate it, no problem. But it's like it only blocks like high velocity, like something that could be like really like life threatening. And so I wonder if that's kind of like why he was able to to just like easily put the coke can through the shield. He's like in the shield, you know, technically. But then when um, Major Mitchell uh, fires off that bullet, it just like ricochets off of it. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, maybe it only something that would actually damage it is what it deflects kind of thing. Maybe these shields supposedly can withstand like nukes and, and whatnot. But like it, it ran into this cliff and the shield didn't do anything. Didn't even deflect the coma-inducing punch. <laughs> well, you know what they say. You know what they say. Horsepower is how fast you're going. Torque is how much of the wall you're taking with you when you hit it. <laughs> here's a here's a nerd alert for you guys. Another nerd alert. So you know how Cameron, you were saying, you mentioned earlier that the aliens kind of reminded you of the Zerg. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The invading aliens in general, they reminded me of the Protoss race from StarCraft. I feel like in a lot of ways, they, they had a lot of similarities to the Protoss. That's kind of true because they use the energy weapons and the... Yeah. Yeah, no, like I, I can see that. I think, 
I think from the standpoint that they they just come take all the resources and leave was very Zerg like. Mm-hmm. Not that they looked or or acted like the Zerg. They are much more like uh, the Protoss in their weaponry their and the fact that they have exosuits like the Zealots mm-hmm. do and the Dragoons do. Um, I didn't it's see true. any. Stealth they're a little bit of both, huh? like the Arbiters. But yeah, no, I mean they're a little, it's a little bit of both. They, you know, they're alien. The Zerg and, and the fact that they're are meant to wipe things out because they believe that they are pure mm-hmm. and that they should have access to all the resources that a planet has because they're stronger. Um, and they're more like the Protoss in the fact that they have this advanced technology that basically has taken them across light years of space and they can, you know, destroy things with great beams of it's, light. It's pretty trippy. Yeah. Because I almost feel like their, their bodies are so frail, but like their technology is so advanced that that's what makes them formidable opponents, you know? And they, mm-hmm. some might say they, they may even rely too much on the technology because they have like these exosuits, you know, because their bodies are like these little fucking shriveled looking things. <laughs> and, um, like they, I think they don't have mouths either like Protoss. So they, they communicate telepathically or like psionically, you know, whatever. How often when you're when you're just sitting by yourself and you sit down at a computer or maybe you're sitting down to watch TV and in your head you say, Antaro Dune Executor. <laughs> Almost never, but now I will. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel like I'm the only loser out there. All right, going back to the movie. Um, what were your, your guys' thoughts on Era 51? Because I, I feel like, you know, this is always like that like infamous uh, secret layer that no one was supposed to know about and so i feel like you, you see a lot of different interpretations of area 51 and this was just one of them uh for me it was lackluster yeah <laughs> i thought it was, i thought it was kind of fun like you know seeing seeing everything that they had going on there you know imagining like oh you know if that was real kind of thing that would be crazy to find <laughs> out you know if you're the president and and you're all, they're all of a sudden like, well, actually, there's totally something there. And then you go and you find out, and I would have just been like, whoa. You know, that's that's kind of how I looked at it. <laughs> I think for me, there, the, 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 there was two parts of the movie that were kind of lackluster. One is I think it's kind of incredibly like backwards that a secretary of defense is going to have more knowledge on Area 51 yep. than the president. Since the president usually chooses his cabinet members after he's elected. So why would the secretary know more than he does? But neither here there mm-hmm. and then they Plausible get to area 51 deniability. yeah but then they get to area 51 <laughs> and it's like it just seems like there's not the level of security that you would expect as far as number of personnel mm. it seems almost like a ghost town kind of like besides a few doctors you see working walking around i just didn't see as many people as i thought i would see and I, maybe that's how you keep a conspiracy down is yeah. you only have the eight staff member that are there and you kill them off as they try to retire or something Damn. like that but <laughs> i just i didn't it was just kind of almost unbelievable but but maybe that's what makes it what it is why, why are you uh, underestimating these these lab geeks you don't think they could hold their own uh no let's be <laughs> honest uh Brent Spiner's character, Dr. Uh, Oaken, was uh, so excited to see another human being. <laughs> as, as a lab <laughs> geek, I can assure you that no, we cannot hold our own. Yeah, I just don't. <laughs> I mean, the dude literally gets an alien. The alien wraps it around his freaking neck, like in the movie. And let's not even talk about what happens to him in, in, in part two, which came out, what, 20 years later? I didn't even, I didn't even see part two yet. We have. I have it. I actually told Cameron. I was like, if you haven't seen um, the, was it Resurgence? I'm like, don't see it. That movie yeah. sucks. Yeah, I, I'm pretty easy to please. I just enjoy, you know, being entertained, and I'm not super critical. 
So most of the time I enjoy things. It takes, a, it, it takes, it takes some, some, uh, heavy suckiness for it to, re- <laughs> yeah. for me to not like it. I agree. It, you know? I agree. I'm the same way. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to movies. I'm pretty critical of them. Like I like to talk about them and tell you what I like and didn't like, but as far as the enjoyability factor, whether I, I would watch it again, I'm, I'm pretty much like, yeah, I'd watch it again. I'd watch any movie again, mm-hmm. really. So I actually liked the fact that uh, Air 51, you know, it plays off of the the UFO conspiracies of Roswell, New Mexico, like the, you know, the big conspiracies that everyone knows about. And l- plenty of people think that it actually happened. The, the weather balloon? Because uh, like what the, what they were explaining was like a lot of the story was ch- being changed, you know, by like the government. Like they're saying like, oh, it was a, oh we don't, we, there was nothing like we didn't see anything. And then like they showed evidence of like this like weird like circular object. And they're like, oh, that's a that's like a deflated weather balloon. We were we just sent it out to space to see what the weather is like up there. And it's just like a lot of the yeah. story just kept changing. And like they, you know, they kept like kind of like reworking the narrative. And so that's why a lot of people think it was a, a cover up. Yeah, and I and I mean honestly at this point and I'm not I'm not try I mean everyone that knows me knows I I love a good conspiracy theory not because I'm a conspiracy theorist but because I think they're fun. Uh you know I I'm still a person that likes to look for Sasquatch if I'm in the woods. So <laughs> um you know crazy is crazy is crazy does. But as far as conspiracy <laughs> theories go, I mean there's been so many lies our government has told us over the years and only because of things like the Freedom of Information Act we're finally finding out certain things and now you know the U.S. Air Force and NASA's confirmed, yeah, we've encountered objects that we didn't know what they were. It doesn't mean they're aliens. It just means at the time that we didn't know what they were. And maybe it was just some anomaly. Maybe it was something else. But that's <laughs> the thing is like for it wouldn't take much for our government to lie to us if they thought, A, it would keep us safe. B, it would keep us under control. And three, it would keep us from uh, you know, I like doing A, B, and three. Hmm. Uh, keep us from <laughs> uh, you know getting crazy and, and just running amok. So. Panicking, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it is to, you know, keep keep the panic down. Yeah. I, I think this may have been one of my other top moments of the movie because, you know, it, it's almost like morbid curiosity. But when they start operating on the alien, they're like trying to like extract it from its, its like exoskeleton and everything. And because at first you think like that's what they look like. That's like that outer layer is them, you know? Well, I mean, if you're paying attention, they showed the, they showed the ones earlier in the, in yeah. the tanks, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, once we took them out of their their exoskeleton, uh, their exosuits or whatever, you know, we realized that they're pretty fragile, like us. It's just they have this technology keeping them safe, so they knew what was in there. We just didn't. It was almost like a clamshell, right? Like it was like really like moist and stuff. Once you opened it up, and yeah, it seems like an organic thing. Like they created an organic bio suit. You know, Right. Yeah. yeah. Shield. For them, for them. But it was cool because outside it was almost like like bone. It was like their skeleton was on the outside, quite literally. <laughs> or, or, or like like a, a very tense, fibrous muscle. Oh, shell. maybe yeah. And it, it was yeah. cool because it to me it was almost like this um, by design, right? Like it almost had this intimidating look. Like it almost had like this like glaring look, even though like that wasn't the mm-hmm. actual facial expression of the alien. I I felt like they were trying to make them look as unique as possible and as scary as possible, but then also show that they were all in all just as, as fragile as any other species could Mm be. Right. I think that was kind of the goal is like, it's like their ships, their ships are incredibly impervious to, to any type of weapon damage, but they still can get a virus uploaded in their systems just like any other. My, my question is why, when they were operating, did they have to move the three aliens that they already had into the room with them? 
Did they really? I don't remember that. They is it, yeah. If I recall correctly, I think they're already they in there. there. I think I think they they're just on that room. Yeah, I think it's on this like back wall, and then there's like the circular area inside where they're doing the operation. I think it's just in that room, but that's that's where they've done previous operations. My I'm imagining this aquarium of like alien specimens. Yeah, well, that's what it looks like. It looks like a display case, almost like some type of macabre yeah. display case. Like you would see somebody doing. Yeah, it's like people put like butterflies on little pens, you know, in, in those wooden with the glass yeah. this is our version of the aliens like we just didn't have pins big enough to plug them up there <laughs> no wonder they're pissed we treat them like game you know like we just like mount their heads on the wall and we're like oh there we go yeah like those fuckers they, they, they came to us first this was our planet it was it was here when we it got was here. warranted yeah so yeah yeah that that scene though was just terrifying because um it's like even though the suit's like disabled and it's like opened up you know, it's kind of like hanging out of it like a Joey, you know, <laughs> like it. You can, st- you can tell that it still controls every part of the appendages. Wi- like the, the, the tendrils were yeah. like freaking like violently yeah. like withering. And I was just like, man, that thing is freaky looking. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It was almost like Doc Ock. Like it had the tendrils coming out of its back, right? Yeah, it did. And it clearly has, has some level of telepathy because it communicates uh-huh. with President Whitmore, mm-hmm. even though he's not even in the room. Right. And they were saying he's, that, yeah, that's, how, that's like probably how they the communicate. Glass. That they were saying that's how probably how they communicate because they don't have vocal cords, right? And so they were guessing already. And but yeah, I mean, as many times as I've seen this movie, I still jump <laughs> when, when Doctor Oaken hits the window. Oh, yeah, every time, every time. Um, and I was sitting there like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Ah! My question with that scene is like, why the hell is the glass not bulletproof? Like, you know, when he was just like, he's like, is that glass bulletproof? And he's like, no, sir. And they just start like blasting the alien. I'm like, <laughs> it, listen, if I'm working on like potentially dangerous extraterrestrials, you know, I'm studying them. I don't know what the hell they're capable of. I would have the thickest, toughest fucking glass invented. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would have that shit locked down. Uh, this is what's crazy to me is like, like, um, you know, growing up, Eric, didn't you break one of your windows like by like you accidentally like, threw a shoe at it or something like <laughs> Did that? I really, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know I had a friend that like broke a window pretty easily by like throwing a shoe at it. This thing gets a fucking body slammed at it at full speed with alien force from its fucking exoskeleton, <laughs> and the glass stays intact. Like that's the part that I'm like, if it's not bulletproof, why did they make it seem like it was super durable when they slammed this guy's body against it? I don't know. It just. I was wondering was that kind too, of, actually. Yeah, with why why didn't it break then? Yeah, I've seen glass break pretty easily, like all over, like windows breaking, cars, and like I've seen people like like trying to roll their window down, and like the <laughs> the actuator fails, and it like drops into itself oh and just God. shatters inside oh the door. God. Yeah, so yeah, I'm just saying, you know, like if you're in this this like underground bunker and you're working on some really dangerous shit you know something that could potentially destroy humanity like i'm i'm just having that shit locked down and that's all i'm saying yeah i agree and you know after after uh the president you know he has that like quick like mind meld with the alien before he gets blasted his his first reaction is to nuke it he's like let's nuke the sons nuke of bitches yeah, i know and at first he was like no we can't we can't nuke him at first he's like we can't nuke him we can't nuke him and all of a sudden he's like yeah let's nuke him yeah i i think i think that my um the part that I thought was amusing was when uh, Levinson's dad is like, they're like talking and 
they're they're I don't know what they're talking about, but somehow he, that's how he comes up with the idea for uploading a virus is just like this oh innocuous conversation God. with his dad. It's not like he's like trying to solve the problem. He's he's like obviously he's trying to solve the problem. He's thinking about it, but it's like this like random comment his dad makes, and he's like a cold. We'll give it a cold. We'll give it a cold. Yeah. You're a genius. <laughs> Again, this is like giving more responsibility to this character, so that way, like, we can keep him in the movie. Because otherwise, he, he his ass should have just stayed at Air Fifty One and let Will Smith. Because Will Smith can fucking punch his way through the mothership, apparently. Yeah. Well, you know what <laughs> remind me of is I, I don't know if you guys ever watched that TV series House. Yeah, I used to. But okay, on that show, invariably House is trying to solve this problem, and so he's actively trying to solve a case, right? And he's like, he's like, I don't know what it is. It's got to be amyloidosis. It's got to be sarcoidosis. Blah, blah. And he's doing this whole thing, it's and then he'll have like a, he'll have like a random conversation with like a little girl at the cafeteria, and she'll be like, No, it's my French toast. And he's like, French toast. That's it. You know, he like he like goes back and solves the case because of something that some innocuous stranger said in some like haphazard <laughs> way, like somewhere <laughs> along the episode. That's what I felt like that part of the movie. Was was like jeff goldblum's been working on this problem for like 24 hours straight like no sleep and his dad's like oh you better take a nap you're gonna get a cold and he's like that's it dad we'll give it a cold you know yeah so. the stupid <laughs> catch a cold or create a computer virus plot line to infect and compromise the alien system is still stupid in my opinion <laughs> especially if we assume that they're telepathic and that they don't recognize any telepathic signals coming from the ship that comes into their mothership like I'm like, what is this? You're all really about? gonna be using like similar technology, like computer technology with us, especially back then when our computers were a lot less advanced than they are now. But apparently that yeah. was on par with what the aliens were using, not too far off. Unless they had on their planet it was some type of like Fallout like thing. I don't know if you've ever played Fallout series, but in Fallout, because of the the nuclear arms race, everything went like nuclear instead of the superconductors <laughs> and computers. And so everything is more advanced on the nuclear side and like the fission side and energy side, but so far behind on how computing actually works. And that's why those, you know, computers all have the the green screens and stuff. So maybe they had something similar where in their in their history of their race, uh you know, the computer technology didn't take off as well as the space travel technology took off. <laughs> Similar with their uh, their bodysuits, apparently. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> and the way their shield technology can stop nukes but not sand. <laughs> or uh, tin cans. Yeah, or tin cans. <laughs> um, what do you think of it, Steph? Like, what do you think of the whole computer virus catching a cold plotline? Yeah, it's interesting to think of it now because we're so much further advanced than we were then. But I, I feel like, you know, at that time, you know, they're like, oh, the height of technology and and uh, going against, you know, their their technology. We're, you know, we're so badass. And then we, you know, we, we look back on it now and we're like, man, it's freaking lame. Yeah, we're well, using this little like Windows 95 computer. <laughs> And just hacking into this alien ship. You have expected, like, when he's, like, hacking in for it to start, like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) like, dialing up to some 56K modem. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. You've got, you've got, goodbye. (laughs) And then how long it takes the virus to upload? I was just like, yeah, the 90s. 
Yeah, and let's talk. Let's talk about that percentage, like like how how viruses upload in movies in general, or how they download in movies in general. They get like this big fucking loading thing bar. on the screen that shows <laughs> right. Shows the the when we all know that's not how it happens, because no. in real, like you've all downloaded something, you'll get stuck at fourteen percent for two hours and then jump to eighty four percent. Hey, that was that quick uh, DSL speed back then. Yeah, we've we've all done the net three point five update for Windows. We know that it jumps around. It, it doesn't doesn't show you one standard line. Right. It'll take 500 days to download this. And then it just like jumps to like, okay, five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've all used LimeWire before. Um, well, Napster, they were <laughs> the OG. Oh, Napster, uh, Napster, FrostWire, LimeWire, whatever it was. We've all used it where it's oh, like your them. speed, your speed goes from like, like 26 kilobytes per second back then. And it was like, it, you got to 56. You're like, yes, I doubled my time. And then it was like, no, sorry, this song's take three hours to download. It took like eight hours to download a 12 song CD. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Good times. Yeah. yeah and, I was and, and, and that was, and that was fast yeah. for us. We were like, yeah. no, no, I'll have it done. I'll have it done by dinner. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. I said, said, said something like that up before school, come back from school, have my whole, whole new album. So let me ask you this, Steph, because you were the one that introduced me to pirating with Napster. How did you find out about Napster? Yeah, let's talk about all the illegal shit we've done over the years. <laughs> right? <laughs> On I think it was just word of mouth. Just like at school? It was just word of mouth. I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was school. I'm sure it was, pro- it was probably Nadia because she still she's, she's, she still teaches me how to illegally get stuff that I want to get. All so. right, we'll, we'll talk off <laughs> off camera. <laughs> that's what, right. I, that's what well, I'm talking about. Like, hey, have to cut why are you out? asking these questions, man? <laughs> With the whole like virus, the computer virus uh, plotline and whatnot, I think this may have been the turning point for me when, when it came to like the movie's quality. Like I almost felt like the quality kind of began to be a little bit too far-fetched and it kind of jumped the shark for me. They went into space onto a spaceship. An alien spaceship. Duh. Nah, I, for me, like, like even looking back at that, because we've, we have movies out now, right? So we're looking at this movie and we're watching them go into space in an alien spaceship. And we're like, that's unbelievable. But, but today's kids... And I say kids because that's the people that watch these films, right? Today's kids watch Fast 8, I think it is. And they go to space in a fucking car using like duct tape and scuba gear. I mean, and that, and, and we're expected to, to look back at our, our childhood and go, that's fucking unbelievable. No, that was believable. They took alien craft to an alien mothership and they escaped that shit. That part is the most believable part of the whole film. <laughs> Let me just say with uh, Fast and Furious, there was a a part where I think it was the one just before the last one where um, there's like a helicopter that's like trying to like flee and there's like this rope or chain or something hanging from it and the rock. That's from Hobbs and and Shaw. Yeah, and it's the rock. He's holding the car, like the the trailer part of the car and the chain and (laughs) holding a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the hell, man? I can't watch these damn movies. You know what? Fuck it. I'll, I want to give another shout out to uh, the president's morale boosting speech because that thing was just awesome. You, and you know what? Like, I think up until, I don't know, I'm sure there's like a bunch of sports movies or whatever that came out after that. But, you know, where they, the coach has to rally the team back from like a, a deficit. But I feel like this was like the the standard up until like, I don't know, remember the Titans or something like whatever, whatever like sports movies had dramatic and epic speeches. But it's like this, the speech that was delivered by Bill Pullman in the scene was 
<laughs> it was it was just so awesome because I, I think like after that nuke and the fact that it like didn't even do a scratch on that one flying saucer or I, don't know, I think they call them like city killers or something like that or ci- city exterminators whatever um it didn't even cause a scratch so I, now they're back to square one they're like what the hell can we do and that's you know that's when they come up with the we should just disable the the shields which how do they even know that the mothership is like supplying the signal for these shields i don't know they they just got lucky i guess point. yeah they they just assumed and got lucky for sure i i think they're assuming that they're all interconnected because of the telepathic link they're aware of now and and maybe so maybe the the, the mothership has the same link with its technology for who, who knows but you know but it is a great speech. It's one of those speeches, and I think he makes it in such a way that it's. I think I think he makes the speech at the end uh, of the movie where he talks about now it's not just the independence of of the United States, but this is the Independence Day of the world. Of the world, yeah. Everyone kind of shares the same. Um, like it's like an international holiday now, right? Um, but this was this was pretty badass because you know like. Not only did he deliver that speech, but he's just, you know, he kind of steps down as president, I feel like, around this time. And he's just like, you know what, like, I might go go out on my shield, but, you know, I want to at least go out fighting. So that's when he, uh, I belong in the air. He he hops in the cockpit and, uh, you know, he, he's going to lead the Eagle Squadron this time. Instead of the Black Knights, it's going to be the Eagle Squadron to defend Air 51. Because now the City Destroyer, I think that's what it's called, the City Destroyer that destroyed LA is like slowly floating towards area 51 at this point. So, um, right. yeah, they're, they're starting to move to their new locations to continue destroying the world. Well, I don't think that, I think, I think they get a link from the alien that wakes mm-hmm. up and that's why they start moving it's that like way. Beacon, right. Yeah. I think, I think so. it yeah. reveals yeah. their location. Cause when the, when the ship gets activated to fly out, I think it's like, Oh, we know a ship's out here. I also wonder too, since, um, when they had the mind meld, you know how like it was almost like a bunch of information was downloaded really quickly. I wonder if the same happened to the alien and he was able to like broadcast it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, th- maybe they have the hive mind yeah, like the, like the Zerg hive mind. Yeah. So the over there was an over mind somewhere. Yeah. Well, I and what's crazy is I, I know that we're only talking about this one, but in the second movie they do have a queen, mm, right? That's true. Yeah. Queen of so. Blades. <laughs> that's not. Let's not bring her into this. Let's be honest. That was the best character from the entire franchise. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, Captain Hiller and David, you know, they're piloting the old ass Air Fifty One alien ship. You know, that came from like uh, Roswell, and so they're they're like en route to the mothership. And then um, this is like a uh, human's final stand. You know, over at Air Fifty One, they have to hold off uh, the the aliens as long as they can, and they also have to be in position to be able to counterattack because as soon as that shield goes down, as soon as they get the signal, they need to fucking like do as much damage as possible before like they can kind of like get the shields back online. Uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty sick because they, they kind of timed it perfectly. Right. Like somehow they know when uh, Hiller and David are like it within the mothership, they get kind of captured and uh, they're able to upload the, the virus or whatever. I don't, I don't really know why, like they have to kind of like hold out, I guess like they, are they giving it like a certain amount of time before they fire off the nuke? Is that why they're just kind of, well, like, that's the thing is I don't think they explain that, but that, that would be my question is, if they had uploaded the virus and then immediately dropped the nuke since the mother it's inside the mothership and the mothership's going to be destroyed will that in turn would they if they had done that quickly would that in turn have disabled all the ships in the ground That's a good area question. and and then they wouldn't have needed to sacrifice uh cases uh mm-hmm. life to launch launch his his uh you know box 3 missile <laughs> 
Eagle four, box three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Because we don't know, like, once the virus is uploaded, how long does it take to to kind of, like, have the virus spread to the other ships? You know, I, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah, they were assuming a couple minutes, I think. Well, yeah, they were just... I. But, like, once they did upload the virus, they were just kind of like, all right, go. And see if it's down. Yeah, they were assuming it would be down for a couple minutes, you know, while they called IT they and have, got their they shit They started back it before they left for school, and they have to wait until they get home. Because <laughs> the you know... <laughs> It's still only uh, 12%. What what should we do? (laughs) But you know what? That was like, that scene was pretty awesome. Like the, the second uh, like aerial dogfight. Yeah. Uh, Because this time around the Eagle squadron have a lot more success because you know, they, I think around the time they, they wait the, the allotted time and they're like, okay, the shield should be down now. Let's try it out. Uh, Eagle one Fox three or whatever, you know, and he shoots the missile and it hits the shield and he's like, God damn it. It's, it's not going to work. But then, um, I don't know, like the president's like, you know, what, let me try one more time. And then this time the shield's down and actually uh, damages the ship. So everyone just starts like, you know, like uh, launching everything that they have at it. This is what was pretty cool, too, is because the little uh, individual alien fighter ships, they were getting fucked up now because they didn't have the shields anymore. They were so, more like, evenly matched. Yeah. So it's like now you, we, you actually get to showcase like our um, like our aerial combat skills. And yeah, uh, it seems it seemed like it was it was holding up pretty well against the aliens. The aliens were like, you know, again, I think they were probably a little too cocky. They're like, they're really going to try this shit again. And then they started getting fucked up and they're like, oh, man, I, I don't know if we if we can win this now. Good old but, American yeah, ingenuity. Exactly. You know, modified American style. There you go. They they start damaging the ship, but it's it's only doing like very minimal damage, and it's still not it's not taking it down quick enough, and it's like now like right over Area Fifty One, and it's it's kind of like gearing up, it's charging the giant laser beam on the bottom, and you know this is where uh, good old Russell Case comes in, crazy Russell, he kamikazes into the destroyer, but you know even before that. Of course, we have a guy that's not even trained to be a fighter pilot, and he already knows how to, to pilot this damn like fighter jet. He's just pushing buttons and hoping that everything's working. Because remember, he, he almost like fires off the missile like right when he gets into it. Well, remember, he was, he was a Vietnam pilot, right? He was a Vietnam yeah. War pilot, so he knew how to fly certain planes, but this, obviously that was years and years prior to this. <laughs> exactly. But, but um, I, I, like I said, I, I think it was to bring that thing, full, the whole thing full, full circle, and that's why he says at the end, doesn't he say something like, hi, boys, I'm back, and then he like, he, like yeah. back, and then he flies yeah. it with that, with that crusty-ass Randy Quaid smile. <laughs> it was a facepalm moment, I, I guess you could say, where the one jet that's that has like a, a busted like rocket and he it's the one that he's flying it's like oh oh my god he has the clear shot and he's just like it's jam sir of course like why the hell i don't, I don't think i've ever heard of like a, a fighter jet where it's like the missile is not able to fire off the 90s yeah, I, I, I don't know <laughs> that's my i don't know i know i the, the amount i know about fighter jets could probably fill the grand canyon because i know nothing about them <laughs> have you seen top gun did any of their their missiles malfunction <laughs> I, I, that's the thing is i i don't, I don't know man i have only seen i haven't seen top gun in years all i remember there, there was Seriously. a volleyball scene that's very very like erotic almost <laughs> Ooh, all right might have to do that one next <laughs> isn't that on the list at some point is it? When I I saw it. if you put on the list then you're fired i didn't i didn't no, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> But um, you know what? What's interesting about his uh, his little like kamikaze scene, Russell Case. So there's an interesting note that in the original script, it had Russell Case actually being rejected as a volunteer pilot, 
And I, I don't know if you guys uh, knew about this. I was, I was kind of watching like the, the extra uh, scenes or whatever, the special features. And, um, he was he was rejected due to his alcoholism. They're like, you know what? You would end up like shooting one of us down. So we don't we don't want you. And the thing, is, <laughs> even just like like thinking about it is like such a ridiculous concept. But so they, it the same thing would happen. They would be like the shield would come down. They were they were supposed to do a lot of damage to it. You know, he was gonna have the moment to like be able to like shoot a, a rocket into the laser, and it was it was gonna hit hit the wrong point. So when all hope is lost. Later in this fight, this biplane comes in and it's fucking oh Russell Case flying his like crop duster, and he has a missile strapped to it. <laughs> so that would explain why he brought it along because you know when they're riding in the trailers like that 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 caravan of trailers, he's he's towing it along. Yeah, that's true. You you don't ever really see it again. But yeah. it's like you know, he with the missile. Where strapped, did he get the missile from? Don't, don't those <laughs> and then missiles he just weigh like hundreds of pounds? Yeah. <laughs> he fucking like commanded this on his shoulder. He just MacGyver's it. Flex taped it to the wing. <laughs> the rocket is what's propelling him through the air because his yeah. plane has no. And that's no what I'm lift. saying. Like the the biplane wouldn't even be able to like reach the Take laser. Like the it's just so damn slow. Yeah. But um, this obviously like this that would give much more of a, a comedic feel. So when when they were like discussing it, they're like, okay, you know what? We I think we want to go a little bit more emotional than comical for this like climactic scene. So <laughs> they ended up just giving him a jet. But I'll, could you imagine that? Like, he, he fucking comes in like, he's like, here I am, sir. You know, and somehow he's able to radio in as well. And he has a fucking rocket. Like, it's like weighing it down. He's like. Nah. That would have been terrible. Oh, and it's still playing like the heroic music and everything in the background. But it's doing that fucking like side to side thing that the biplanes do. <laughs> It's like a, Let's try spinning. That's a neat see, trick. A single engine <laughs> goes upside down. Oh man! News to say, once uh, once he flies into the laser, it takes down the ship, and everyone's rejoicing. Um, you know, around this time, uh, Will Smith and um, Jeff Goldblum they they fire off the nuke. Here's another weird thing too. Why is it that when they shoot the the nuke, it doesn't explode on contact? I think they, 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 they talked about it purposely because they had a timer so they could get they could get out because uh, you know unfortunately the the nuke I think it was pre-designed that way that it would go off mm-hmm. after a certain amount of time to give them enough time to escape. I almost feel like the way it was ripping through the interior of that ship, I almost felt like it would have absolutely blown up on contact. Yeah, I, I well you got you got to remember that's not how a lot of the the I, I don't know how nukes work because i've never been around one but um mm-hmm. even even some of our our um like our moab the you know the 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 one that we we've used we only used it once i think in like northern afghanistan one of the tunnels um what it does is it it basically lays down a gaseous layer as it flies in and then it ignites that gas creating a large explosion by basically blowing up gas inside of tunnels and stuff and Whoa, so okay yeah so it fills it to and like get that- into the crevices yeah, I know because the so, so people call it, it the mother of all bombs, but that's not what it actually stands for. Moab stands for, I think it's massive 
uh, ordnance air blast or something like that. And so what it does is it basically blasts the air. It creates a gaseous layer and then ignites that gas inside of a. It kind of reminds me of like white phosphorus or something. Yeah, yeah, like like a Call of Duty. Yeah, you're like, oh, uh-huh. this is gonna be over the battlefield now. And maybe yeah, yeah maybe yeah. it's not the type to explode on impact because the atomic bombs don't explode on impact either. They explode in the air, hmm. like over you know hundreds of feet over whatever you're trying to to explode. So do you think that so, if it if it wasn't triggered in the air when it hit the ground would it explode? I don't think I don't so because they 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 I mean other bombs they they found other rockets that haven't exploded on yeah, impact. That's true. Hmm. Okay. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, N- Natasha. I mean, Wanda Maximov and and her brother had a Howard had one of the Tony Stark's uh, missiles inside their house that didn't explode for how many days, right? <laughs> so spoilers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we got to say that for a movie that's what ten years old now. <laughs> <laughs> I give you the Jericho. <laughs> yeah, that's what they should have used. You can clap. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I, I don't I don't know. I, I think that I think that that part was appropriate as well. So it kind of kind of gives credence to the fact that they were able to get out, and you see them kind of riding the shockwave as they're as they're heading back to Earth. Um, yeah. So and which they, are, I mean, they blew up the mothership to to make sure that the shields didn't come back up, right? That, that's uh, my on, guess. Yeah, because it's not like you know all the other ships went down as soon as the mothership went down. They they coordinated around the world so that they would know, like when you know once they shot up the middle of the ship and blew it up, they're like, okay, tell everyone how this goes. <laughs> Tell everyone around the world, quick, 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 you know? Just just grab a biplane. Any and, biplane will yeah. do. And what's crazy <laughs> is they, they don't – they do it by old Morse code. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's like, true, boop, yeah. Boop, 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 boop. I, don't, I don't know what what are you saying. What should we do? It's just a bunch of dots and dashes, dots and dashes. But you know what? Like even even like the virus uploading and like the laughter, like why does it have that like the graphic, like the little gif – of it laughing too like that was almost like a like jeff goldblum was like a, let me let me give him like one more one last middle finger you know and he like created this like gif that's yeah the, I, I feel like that's all that really was that, I, think so, so I, uh, I think it was supposed to be like a, a like a comedic effect like like we yeah. got you it, it very much felt like in the same vein as jurassic park when it's like the uh uh uh, uh, uh yeah uh, yeah yeah I, I agreed which also i wouldn't even know what it means it. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum in his prime. Jeff Goldblum nature, all over the place. Nature always finds a way. So yeah, um, all in all, I think the movie. The, honestly, it was a it was a great memory from childhood. I think that um, I, you know it's one of those things that that you know when when there's an opportunity to watch it, especially if you have somebody that maybe doesn't remember it, or maybe it's like a kid that's young enough that they don't they didn't see it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those great ones to watch. And sometimes they're you know they're watching it with you and they're like they're like was this cool when you were young? And it's like, no, this was, this was epic when I was young. So yeah, it was was a great movie that came out at the appropriate time. And I agree. It was one of those things that I, uh, upon seeing it the first time, it was one of those things where you're like, this is going to be a blockbuster hit. Oh, definitely. And it was. So did you actually watch it with your kids? I've watched, yeah, I've watched it with my kids probably twice now. I don't know if they would even remember it because like I said, there, there's so many movies nowadays that are in their opinion so much better, but okay. there are some movies like, like I said, I'm one of those people like, like if I have the opportunity to watch RoboCop, man, I will watch that movie with passion every <laughs> single time it's on. I mean, I can probably quote the entire movie. Jeez, really? So if there was one movie, like your house is burning down, there's one movie you could take with you. 
It would be RoboCop. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't even own it. I think it's. I think I own it in like a video format through Vudu or like uh, some, you know, <laughs> Amazon Prime or something like that. But yeah, I would definitely. That's the one thing. The movie I would grab. I mean, just that's a hard question. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it one other time, but it's great. What would your movie be, Eric? For me, man, like the the absolute favorite movie that I could I can continue watching. Oh, so many, so many. I think you know what. That is hard. <laughs> Starship Troopers. <laughs> it's a Peter like Verhoeven film. Earlier. Yeah, <laughs> same same director. What's your favorite uh, Peter movie stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I can only think of those two. <laughs> right? No, he, he's done other stuff. Because I want to, I want to, you know, I want to jokingly say the day after tomorrow because that's like stuck in my mm-hmm. head. Yeah. But that honestly, that you know, that would probably would not. You know, be it's it. Paul Verhoeven. Sorry. Oh, Paul. Okay. Yeah. Peter Verhoeven is a basketball player. <laughs> We've been oh. giving him too much credit. Yeah, exactly. And we got to go ahead and uh, re-record this whole podcast now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that is a wrap, folks. If you made it to the end of our podcast, then you're all invited to Cameron's Parents Fireworks Show. BYOB. <laughs> yeah. uh, any final thoughts or closing comments? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun having you, man. I appreciate that. It's it's been a blast catching up. And indeed, a great, indeed it great has. movie from our childhood with a great friend from our childhood. That's right. Family, mm-hmm. not friend, family. Family. We're family. So yeah, if you have, like I said, <laughs> bring me back when you do uh the other one, okay? Any of the the Paul or Peter films. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, it was, hopefully you had a good time. I mean, I it, did. we had a lot of fun having you I on did. the show. I agree. I I did. I it was a great 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 time. Perfect. Any uh, closing comments, stuff? Final thoughts? Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely one that I watch. I, I usually try and watch it sometime during the 4th of July every year. So I guess I'm the only one out of the loop. Like, I haven't seen this movie in years. And yeah. I still thought that, you know, a lot of it held up. Like how we're saying the CGI yeah. because of the, the, the practical effects, you know? And um, yeah, even just like the, the spaceships like coming in and they're on fire and the lasers and whatnot. Like, that shit was awesome. That shit holds up. The aliens, the alien suits, like, sick. Like, I think it, it puts a lot of special effects even today to shame. I agree. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was good. And one day, one day, I'll totally be showing my kids this movie and being like, like it, like it. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Affliction Hours Podcast, Episode 12, Independence Day. Thank you to the listeners out there for joining us, and we will see you all next time. Happy Fourth of July, and welcome to Earth. Identify target. In the pipe, five by five. Did somebody call an exterminator? Nuclear launch detected. Detected. Detected.